You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Hi, gang. Welcome back to the Critical Commentary Watch Along Podcast, The Riverdale Gang, where we uh, watch this ridiculous show and um, talk about all of the ridiculous metatextual structural wonky things yes they jam in there recorded here on the unceded territory of the musqueam squamish and tsleil-waututh first nations Mm -hmm. unceded as as is much of riverdale by the way i was at a a passover seder last night where there was a land acknowledgement and someone at the table asked um i think with amount of ignorance uh what it means when land is seeded and for the record uh, um i don't have a good legal definition of that but just in case you were wondering um mm-hmm. most of bc is not on treaty territory but most of canada is and if you're interested in learning more google treaty territory versus unceded territory and learn some things also super relevant in the u.s also super relevant in the US. i'm not sure the legal structure of mexico and southern southern americas but um yeah, yeah. At, at a certain point, settlers just stopped making treaties. Anyway, 1955, right around the time <laughs> settlers stopped making treaties, actually. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, yeah, this was a very 50s episode. Shocking no one, because everyone thinks they're in the 50s. I am completely satisfied. I'm entertained. It was a second episode. Yeah, we we have no, we have no complaints. I was waiting for the twist. I was waiting for a gut punch at the end, and they delivered for me. Um, I'm curious. Yeah, it. Yeah, they they left on a beat that suggests to me, yeah, we're genre hopping again, really hard, and this is a, yeah. a bit of a transitional introductory. To hopefully a short stretch of uh, of horror world. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens because um, I I don't think it's the worst trope, but I don't find the trope of um, girl who is undesired by her peers who draws creepy pictures being unhinged as being like a very interesting trope. It's mm-hmm. fine. I just don't think it's interesting. Yes. Personally, I'm not interested in that. But I am interested in the actor who plays Ethel Muggs having more screen time, so I'm very happy yes. about that. Yes, bringing her back, bringing Midge back to life, which is just, just amuses me. It's like its own, It's at this point it's referencing itself. Right. Um, especially with the bant dance murder. Um, or whatever. That's a lot of blood, Ethel. Um... We we uh, we built the ensemble out this episode mm-hmm. structurally. So like show season wise, the ensemble grew, the the relationships really clarified, and the conflicts in the relationships we met last time started to clarify. Um, we got a name for Clay Walker. Um, yeah, and with name comes Endgame. Uh, in one of those what? Archie future <laughs> um future jump ahead comic books a a fully grown kevin keller marries a a a man named clay walker oh um that's nice i didn't know that 
bad. So sucks to be Fangs, but I guess he's a rock star now, so... Yeah. He seems fine. He oh, seems yeah, fine. Yeah, Fangs is a beatnik rock star. He's probably getting heckin' laid. Even, and even, in the, even in the future future, Kevin didn't seem too into the parenting vibe. Like, at no point did, yeah. did he seem like a parent exactly or share screen time with baby anthony or grown-up anthony or anything yeah so i yeah i believe his reversion to high school um (laughs) jughead yeah jughead gets this yeah fine what a dope what a dope memory wipe jughead is so aggressively pastiche off the top um i i liked it uh, it ga- he gave us our thesis. Do you say that word. Um, mm, uh, like a like a sh- like a cl- different pieces smooshed together uh, to make a cartoony kind of caricature. Um, I might be using it wrong too. Yeah, but, I don't know. I I don't but, know um, the word very well. Like a uh, blah, blah, um, a picture created from other pieces. Oh, like a mosaic. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think pastiche and pastoral sound similar, and so I. I need to get, return to my art history again. I get pastiche and pastoral mixed up. I'm gonna <laughs> Google it. We have the internet in our pockets. I'm googling it. It's magic. Um, and Jughead, uh, whatever he is, um, big cartoony version of himself that he is. Um, we we chatted a little bit in our first watch through about um, like oh. Iterations of Ace Jughead. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we we read that's probably not exactly what we're getting, but I am so in love with a time traveling angel that you secretly can't remember. Might for nineteen fifty five literature be as close to Ace as we're going to get out of the tropes. isn't necessarily a romantic right like he's shown some romantic interest in tabitha yes certainly but that is pre-memory wipe jughead so maybe memory wipe jughead is yeah a bit more canon we'll see i'm yeah just carrying that he's secretly in love with a a, a multi-dimensional angel which at that but then not knowing it in my mind that's kind of like well if jughead doesn't fall for anyone this season it's because he has this angel that he's waiting to re-exist. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or something. That's funny. Uh, um, where else did we circle? Betty, Veronica, Kevin, I Archie, thought it was fun Julian. Making, I thought it was funny making fun, rather, making the serpents into beatniks. I thought that was... Mm. And the biker bar into a... Um, coffee like, house. A coffee house. I thought that was really fun. It, um... It's one of my favorite little beats of, of um, pattern cycling, fad cycling. Um, I, I think the, the coffee shop poetry slam feels very uh, contemporary beatnik to me. Sure. And um, the old, old life of that culture. Um, yeah. I'm happy we're there. I'm happy that's yeah. where Tony is living. And that's where yeah. um, Tony is is taking us. Especially, you mentioned, you know, there's queer f- friendliness in the beatnik space that 
is is better defined than a lot because yeah. they, that was written literature at the time. Ginsburg. And, I would also buy that um, teens who are beatniks have access to a certain level of intellectual maturity. I don't know about emotional mm. maturity. Um, and I, when I say I don't know, that isn't rhetorical. I just, I don't know. Oh, I teens don't know. are chaotic um, grab bags on emotional maturity. <laughs> we, um, we never know. So the fact that Tony and Fangs read is a little more like... Mm. Um, what's the Tutti word fruity, I want? Uh, Rudy. No, no, I mean, no, no, um, uh, uh, Reed is a little bit more, um, pedantic, snobby, urbane, mm. just works for me. They seem more adult mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that I, I buy it because of this movement that they're involved in, poetry movement they're involved in. Should we jump in? Yeah, I think we can. Um, the plots we haven't circled back onto yet are all really trope straights and all about, I think, deconstruction of dating and or... Yeah, I am confused abuse. by dating in the 50s. Let's, let's just... Let's watch it. Let's see what happens. So much historical dating looks like abuse, question mark, and psychological manipulation... Well, I think um, I think it's interesting because women have, even white women, um, mm-hmm. have really a, c- comparatively a small amount of power. I think at mm-hmm. least in this mm-hmm. point in Canada, it was still legal to sexually assault your wife um, in 1955. I don't know about the United States, but um, it certainly was still legal to do that here. Um, it, uh, women, uh, struggled in the workforce. Um, they had, had some, uh, access to employment during the war when the men were away, but the men are back now and their wives and mothers and teachers and nurses. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's being a nurse is extremely badass. Being a teacher <laughs> is extremely badass. Being a wife is extremely badass. Um, but, uh, there is sort of a strange Mm. pageantry of power in Mm. um the flirt who has all these men at her command yes that is sort of a um power grab i think back from patriarchy and i sort of was a little annoyed that veronica was shamed by mary over it Mm. but i agree that being I, the, what irritated me about Veronica's choices sort of from like a place of my own values was her mm-hmm. classism. Mm-hmm. I found that really irritating. Mm. Um, you know, Julian Blossom's like, Oh, it's a Monet. And my first response was like, well, he's rich. Of course he knows it's a Monet. Yeah. <laughs> he's rich. You've been to the European museums. That's way less common in 1955. <laughs> yeah, truly. Even Commercial air travel was barely a thing in 1955. Printed color books with art were hard, a lot harder to get. Yeah, it was... It's there was just, no Googling Monet. There was no Googling Monet. And I don't really know how much art history was taught in high school. I just don't know. Yeah. I, I just don't know the answer. You can presume... He's never seen a Monet before. Probably never seen a piece of art from that uh, era or region. And has probably never, ever had anyone explain or point it out. Right. So I found 
I found the um, not femme fatale. What's the word I want? I found the socialite mm. part of Veronica's mm. thing irritating. I mm. don't really think that in the patriarchal vacuum, auditioning boys to be your boyfriend is really that reprehensible. Yes, to be honest, I agree. Um, I, I I agree. It's it's. Um, but it is it is. Veronica douchey. is so vulnerable. Like it's douchey. In yeah yes. Um, and the Mary Andrews naming the femme fatale trope, um, and Veronica changing in response, there's, um, I really like the, 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 the emotional beat and rhythm Camila Mendez is bringing to this character this season, just two Mm. episodes in even, I feel like there's a a considerable vulnerability and there is a, a commitment to, um, having truth behind every line, especially the flippant and snide ones. Yeah. Um, well, my parents are movie stars. Like, yeah. Hey, I mean, we, I will say it, it's interesting that you pointed out that it, the flirting red, like abuse in that, like do this more, mm-hmm. do this unreasonable task and do this even more unreasonable task. Incremental lobster boiling. Yeah. And I want, I think that that is a fair point. Yes. Please go back to what you were saying about Camila Mendez. Oh yes. Lines. Um, well, there's, it becomes at odds because she is a, uh, a a young woman alone and vulnerable using social techniques that she's presumably absorbed mm-hmm. in a blunt instrument way mm-hmm. and very immediately seeing emotional consequences, even when she's not the focus character, the perspective character. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see her react and change and process emotionally, even when there's no reason for her to. She feels bad because she feels bad. Right. When she recognizes her actions. Um, and in, like, I think um, the the gender power di- disbalance of that um, also, I think the techniques, the, the abuse of dating techniques being aped by Veronica's socialites that Veronica is herself then copying in a game of telephone. Mm-hmm. Um are the patriarchal norms a few generate going a few generations back from Veronica of the um the, oh, the like dating the balls card. the dance card yeah, the the formal courting uh that was you know, codified in the Jane Austen era and then taken for granted in much of English speaking culture past as being always the case is what we were building off of right it's where we we're coming from yeah um and I think a lot of the femme fatale and a lot of the Holly Golightly, um, uh, uh, Holly Golightly isn't a ca- femme fatale, is she? No, no. The two different, the two tropes. Oh, I see. Um, both, um, you know, the independent woman, mm-hmm. uh, and these are both w- ways in which women, uh, female characters who embodied, uh, masculine ideals and values of the time mm-hmm. uh, and re restyled retooled redesigned the the strategies of a very uh possessive romance courting courting mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. um it's flipping it but the power the the disbalances are still there yeah, I yeah, I think that you 
just used a word, either used the word ownership or a word like ownership mm. just now. Um, yeah. I think is an interesting idea to bring up because. Um, Meaning. Yeah. Put, put your mark on her. Yeah. Gosh, that whole conversation was just so laden with euphemism. I was so uncomfortable. Imaginamic is fabulous and they're She's using so her well. She is the frost mom of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, um, and yet, for a hot second, I believe she was handing Kevin a condom. I fully believed that. Yeah. Yes. Just a second. Just a second. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, this thing about ownership, I think, is really interesting because what Veronica does is say, like, oh, you want to own me? Well, I own you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yes. Um, and no one, no other woman, girl, they're all minors, mm -hmm. playing minors, um, is uh, doing that. No. Um, so I agree that it's gross, but it's gross in the context of other grossness. Yes. Uh, I find that especially interesting about this episode and about um, looking at uh, looking at period literature that is a, maybe two generations removed from us, two or three generations, uh, depending mm -hmm. um, on your age, gang. Um that and then and tying it to, to the world before that as well the the mm -hmm. through line of it's all the same stuff just reshuffled yeah yeah all the same stuff just reshuffled that's riverdale yeah should we watch let's watch my cat is all a who i hope uh she does not annoy you riverdale gang honestly i hope she meows she's Aww. got a beautiful meow meow so tazia and pinch are with us today if it if you hear chirp, it's pinch. If you hear need, if you hear need, it's Tessie. Yes. Okay, <laughs> we're pulling up our uh, Netflix just right now. I'm probably closer to the mic than I normally am. Nice and loud. This is the watch along portion. If that's a thing you do with us, gang, and uh, if you're clocking in just to listen to us ramble, that's awesome too. Yeah. Honestly, um, that's how I listen to these things when I re-listen to us. Because I do need to, I always do need to hear, what exactly did I say? Yeah, I always <laughs> listen to them as well. Okay, ready, get Riverdale gang? Three, two, one. Ba-doom. Ba. We refuse ba to do wow, this. Wow, wow, wow. No, I miss it. Horror. The comics are back. And, um... Jughead sets the thesis as the comics come back um, of where we're going next at the end of it all. It's almost like the the genre is 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 in the in the episode change. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And then the rest of the episode is about getting between amongst finishing up. Yeah. Dilton Doily's back. Um, Dilton Doily's back also. And that one uh, and one other kid who I don't recognize. Jughead is not a loader. Jughead is a nerd with friends. Yeah, he's got a nerd group. In another world, this would be a Z&D gang, but they haven't invented that yet. No. Who's, who's blonde guy? I don't know I you. I don't know. Who's blonde guy? <laughs> I don't know you, buddy. You had a line, so you must... You know, something? But yeah, hi, Dilton. Uh, you were wasted in season one. 
just got to say, the fashion in this era, I'm going to say it a lot, probably, this <laughs> As Tony season, and Fangs walk everyone past. Everyone looks great. The men, the women, the beatniks, the preps, everybody looks great. All the contrast. Hi, Midge Clump. You're alive, I guess. Yeah. It's funny, the characters I haven't seen since season one, I'm having to kind of... They look way older to me because I have less practice yeah. remembering well, that they're children. Some of hypothetical the, yeah. playing children. I think some <laughs> of the actors are different too. Clay Walker. Kevin's romance interest. Yeah. So here, can you cut a rug? Ugh. The Ver- cat is... The cat. The cat is the cat. <laughs> Veronica... Setting the game, setting the boundaries, setting the stakes. Um, before Archie knows he's playing. Yeah. He doesn't know this is a game. He thinks this is a short story. I was maybe. not ready for just explicitly queer Tony, by the way. Yes, it it brings joy. It sparks such joy. It's interesting, too. We didn't get much of this Tony in the first episode. No. Well, I mean, she was very... She was busy. Yeah, she was occupied. She had a project. And this is Tony at leisure. Yeah. Hmm? And Cheryl at leisure. Doing her Cheryl thing. Fangs! I'm delighted and a little surprised, but quite delighted to see Fangs... Um, back in the core ensemble this this episode. I, yeah. I wonder if he'll stick around. Um, I enjoyed him as a musical guest, as a, a, a setting of the world character. Yeah. It's so weird to be back in high school with these characters. Yep. And I... Oh, was this the FBI office in the other... Oh, gosh, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> this being the comic book. Whatever this is. Yes, the publishing house of Pet Comics. This totally was. Yeah. Yeah, they just is... reused the set and oh. decorated. I think. We're I we're think. set for murder. We're so set for murder comics. Murder murder week. Murder week next week. Murder week. Murder week. It's murder week on Riverdale. There really is a lot of blood on Ethel. It's true. Very <laughs> carry. A weird reference, perhaps, for the 50s. Decades before Carrie. Carrie, there's a whole Scream Queen era. So there's a whole horror era. I'm very unfamiliar with the horror era of comics. Um, Yeah. uh, Of comics and of the 50s. Um, I know it mostly in stereotype, mostly in parody. Um, You know, the... the, Was it the fly? the, The human and fly get half transformed into Ooh. each other um the giant swamp thing there's like these old pictures that i mostly have absorbed from posters and images but also countless parodies of um yeah. with with not even really a reflection of the original thing at this point so there's a lot of boys in bedrooms in this episode and they call it every time I personally think that if Archie had come over to listen to records with Betty, it would just be in the living room and this scene wouldn't have happened in 1955. Fair and true points. Um, 
But we wanted it to get romantic. I guess so. It could have gotten romantic and the mom could have walked in like... Doors doors closed. Into the living room? I don't I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it as Betty takes for granted that Archie's not a boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, my God, they're dancing. I... This is sort of... Isn't this sort of a send-up of himself? Because in the first musical episode, he was... You know, we it was obvious that he had not been to theater school. Yeah. Um, yeah. In his dancing, um, at any rate, bless his heart. (laughs) And, you know, he's a great dancer now in the other musical episodes. He's great. Yes. Um, The great great performance of bad dancing. Performing bad dancing is very hard. Yeah. Um, And and they both do it quite delightfully here. The this mechanical repeat back and forth vibe that has, I think, a distinctly American gym PE dance lesson kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah, the two steps to repeat back and forth. Maybe it wasn't the strongest. That's what I was trying to say. Maybe the <laughs> I love KJ Apa. I really love KJ Apa. He's got got such um, distinct, strong, chiseled features, especially now coming up on thirty. Um, yeah, I guess that. But also, I just think he he takes this role seriously, which I think mm, is nice. Yes. Um, yes. He just really means it, and he's really in world. I just I don't know. I just I just love him. I think he's great. Yeah. There's. For all the for all the sarcasm and snark and parody of the show, um, he, his performance is extremely genuine. Yeah. Uh, in all the sweet puppy doggedness. Yeah. Of Archie. Jughead's got all the cynical. Jughead's got all the cynical, but Jughead is just sort of effortlessly not mean, which I think is very. Mm. Um, I think is very canon Jughead. Yeah. Like, yeah. this reminds me, really, really reminds me of the Jughead I read in comic books growing up, which I, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just mm-hmm. cute and fun. Jughead being just kind. I love Cheryl <laughs> just being like, please make sure you come to the sock hop. Window to window. Hi, fans. Heck yeah, Midge. Get it, girl. Mm-hmm. Moose whom? There's no moose. Oh, moose. There's no moose in moose. sight. There's actually no moose in sight, though. That's true. But um, fangs is Why a catch. Why are you driving down here if you weren't going to make out? It's just a river. I mean, that's what I would be into, but, you, you know. know. You know, sometimes you just need to go somewhere that's not where you act currently are. That's true. Yeah, and there are not that many options at this point in time. <laughs> In this size of a town. <laughs> you just need to go. <laughs> I don't know, conceptually, that really tickles me. You just need to go somewhere that's not where you currently are. We all learned that lesson more recently than we like. Uh, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I feel... One of, my, one of the things that I notice every time I encounter a... Gay man is obliged to be closeted. Mm-hmm. Sweet woman is in love with him. Sweet mm-hmm. woman is unsatisfied. Gay man feels bad, but also he is being smooshed by the culture that he lives in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is 
I think it's a great example of how systems of power that oppress certain people also mm. um, that spills over into other people's lives. Yeah, money doesn't trickle down, but oppression sure does. <laughs> yes, that's true. Oh my god, what a sentence! Loads of people below you. Ah. It's like sand falling. Okay. Yes. Anyway. This entire scene is straight out of any hundreds of books or films or stories or short stories or films or art books or essays or college um, creative writing assignments. This scene, just like um, just like a lot of scenes this episode, is 100% stock. Mm, yes. Um, and I think it... I think, I think, and I hope, and I think this is the episode where they, um, they're picking from this, this closet of stock tropes. Mm. It feels like a set to me. Um, Kevin and Clay in the music room. I mean, there's a wonderful play, Dog Sees God. It's about, um, <laughs> Peanuts oh, characters yeah. growing up. It's very Riverdale, actually, and it has that, uh, Archie and, uh, uh, not Archie, Charlie. Music room schmoop. Schroeder, Beethoven kid. Yeah. If you know the play, you're like, yes. And if you don't know the play, shut up. Get back to Cole Sprouse. I have weirdly seen two different productions of that play in this city alone. Yeah, same. It's a, oh, you we probably saw I, the I, same I, one. I, I lit one of them. Yeah, I costumed one of them. <laughs> That's funny. This is something that when you're bisexual, this is a piece of, or at least for me, this Mm. is a piece of queer experience that is very opaque to me. Mm. Um, The, are you, or are we, are are you, are we, what are we talking about? What's the double entendre here? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. That's partly because of the era in which I'm bisexual, where I can just be quite blunt with women. Mm -hmm. But when I was a teen you know men are like readily available for the most part men who are into women are like readily available so I didn't have a lot of these experiences in adolescence and I I find this like Mm -hmm. this double talk Mm -hmm. of like we're not going to acknowledge what we're talking about but we both know what we're talking about but do we both know what we're talking about very interesting this is very unfamiliar to me 100% I can see where you're coming from um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a goofy metaphor, but I'm, I'm not getting it. It's like, yeah, you, when you, when you have a choice of, of, when you have choice and there's abundance versus invisibility and scarcity. Well, I guess what I mean is I don't have this experience mm-hmm. of being a queer person trying to figure, trying to manage. Actually, that's not true. I'm just disagreeing with myself. I'm thinking of all the times <laughs> that that's happened to me. You're but, just old enough now that young, young you start. We're, we're old people, Chloe. No, what I, I guess what I'm talking about is this experience <laughs> of being closeted, encountering someone else who's closeted and trying mm. to have a conversation about it without really having a conversation about it. Yeah. Is something that's really unfamiliar to me. And I don't know if that's because I'm bisexual or just because I grew up, was born in 1989 and have access to pretty liberal spaces. <laughs> but all this to say is that I find those conversations interesting they're really opaque to me um mm-hmm. i i 
find the social cues interesting. Like, how do you know? Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, you don't, right? Yeah. There's, there's not a script yet. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a recurrent trope in 50s era um, gay male romance stories is like it's impossible to know the language is erased in that period and that's that's frequently the journey that i i see explored in literature is that that complete discovery from from the void um i'm also clocking there's a lot of couples having conversations um yeah that's true in sequence here and um the Archie had no more idea what the heck was going on there than Kevin or Clay did. Yeah. Um, And I actually don't feel like Veronica is nearly as in control as she is performing. She's badly acting her parents' script. Yeah. Right now. Uh, And it's, it's a school play version at best of Hollywood networking taken as the normal way you make friends. Yeah. Also, I love that she describes Betty as a total Marilyn when Betty is the least Marilyn blonde. <laughs> um, which is not any impunity on Lily Reinhardt or on Betty Cooper. It's just that no one is like Marilyn Monroe. That's they sort of very I mean. different. <laughs> Do you mean the only blondes in the room, I guess? Yeah. Hi, Dilden. Get your screen time. Get it while it's hot. Love this outfit on Cheryl. So I, lo- great. I love Cheryl, this driving plot force. Cheryl is plugged into the plot again, which is really kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, she's such a such a useful agent of chaos. Yeah. So dependable. And with the best faces. The best reaction faces. Who, pray tell? I love how Mitch is like, you're into this girl. I can tell. <laughs> Just over here being into things. Uh, is Mitch bisexual? No, it's Moose who is bisexual. Yes, it was this. It was this unaddressed uh, triangle that they addressed by just killing off Midge and never getting back to it. Yeah. Let's do better this time. Yep. Another extremely tropey scene: father's suit. You've outgrown your obviously stupidly small childhood suit. Do you not go to yeah. church, Archie? What the heck? I guess he wears a nice button up. a church. Yeah, and I... I... It's one of those era things that I kind of write into the back of my mind. That I take for granted. It's uh, it's like pooping. <laughs> uh, it uh, When I fill in the cultural context of America 55, small town, they all have a church. I assume. Yes. Um, there are anything like Canadian small towns, they have five. Yeah, and it would be quite scandalous if Mary, especially as a single mother, wasn't going to church. You think? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's scandalous enough already to be single, even as a widow. Yeah, well, it's not her fault her husband got off Oh, yeah. More. I'm just talking about stacking social oppression layers. No. <laughs> not, not, yeah. Agreed. None of it's her fault. Yes. But single women were especially vulnerable to judgment in this period. Yes. Especially, I think, like you mentioned, coming out of the the war decade. Um, yeah. The, the I, counterbalance, the I, cultural counterbalance. I think there was a 
lot of, I don't know this for sure, but I think there was a lot of leniency for war widows. I think there was a certain level of we need to protect them and love them and mm. they've made a great sacrifice and etc. hope so. Um, it's certainly a prevailing classical value. Yeah. I will say, report from the front lines as a single parent who reads as a mother. P.S. I'm non-binary, but I think we all know that already. Um, in 2023, twice I've been asked where my husband is, but that's it. Only twice, which I think is pretty good. Only twice. And only by people who were evidently over 65. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think it's too bad. It's not a bad record. You're, yeah. You've curated your bubble in, in neighborhood. That's true. It's a fair point. We live in a great place. It's Both lovely. of those times it was older people. One was at synagogue. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm starting to see your point. <laughs> yeah. This place is so unintimidating, Cheryl. This is the future. The future is just bored hipsters and coffee shops. You can be comfortable here. You can write screenplays here. Yeah. Tony is so comfortable. Reading on the couch of a coffee shop. What a fabulous public space. The dark room. <laughs> Bikers beat me some badasses. I wonder if the word badass is that old. I like that. I hope yeah. it is. Common use. My virtuous vixen. I wonder what the politics of the serpents are in this era. It doesn't seem... I mean, beating in yeah. politics weren't terrible. Oh, I um, yes. I was thinking about the local town politics, like how the the serpents were a force, if you will, in earlier seasons, were a, a faction. Yeah, well, we've already got at least one of them, Tony, who's focused on some sort of justice work. True, true. Um, yes. Well, in that regard, we've cut right past the stereotypical faction bikerism straight into the actual uh human rights work yeah the bow on this dress is so silly it's so silly also i love that people call his suit old-fashioned where men's suits haven't really (laughs) changed since the 40s i mean that's probably not true they've probably changed a whole lot but as someone who doesn't have like a deep knowledge of fashion. Mm-hmm. I look at these suits and I see suits that are worn, especially that dark green shirt. It just looks like now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's um, the coating was much more subtle in men's fashion at the time. It, it It's there. We don't bother to read that. It's like Morse code now to us. The coating? Um, the coating of the, 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 co- the clothed clothing, the, the sumptuary rules, the, the, the class rules, the what's new, what's oh, in fashion. Um, the variations with men's fashion are, yeah, a lot s- s- have a subtle arbitrary thing. That, like, the men in that, in Veronica's room there, were probably specifically trained to recognize and judge based on as class I, markers. Yeah. Um, even Sorry. though they're relatively invisible now I to have- us. I have a quick question. Yeah. This is a lovely scene between Jughead and Ethel. Yeah. I have a quick question about what we think Mary's, mm. not Mary, Alice's <laughs> motivations are. Like, what is her investment in maintaining this adolescent relationship between her daughter and Kevin Keller? 
why wouldn't she just be like, well, don't lead Kevin on. And if you're interested in Archie, I blah, blah, blah. Here's this other stuff. Does she not like Archie? Does she just sort of believe in like staying in relationships because that's what you should do? I, you know, at 16, it might already be kind of late to switch courses. By, so. by the awful, hectic speed of the time. If you're going to be married by 20 and have kids, be done having kids by 25. Yeah, that's a good point. You're not, you're not waiting around. And high school sweethearts was still very normalized. Um, this is a small town in a rural area. There are a lot of large farm families that drive in to the farm supply store once in a while that these kids would see. There is an immediate adjacent culture that is that is definitely married at 18 quite frequently. That's true, yeah. Um, even with the counterpoint of the young socialites existing and being um, known enough to copy, at least by the out-of-towner. Right. I appreciate beautiful things. Julian. What do we make of Julian? Mm. Well, he ends on self-depreciation, but it's always just the right strategic thing. Yeah. Um, He's a blossom. I'm I'm waiting to see him crack, and I'm waiting to see him uh, exist more with Cheryl. I will accept if we ultimately just hate him. I think that would be a perfectly yeah. fine outcome for this character. I wonder what's going to happen with him. Yeah. Redhead fight. Shut your trap, Blossom. Norman Rockwell, I think mm. I registered Hopper when they said Rockwell, which mm. is incorrect. Mm. <laughs> I now understand why that exchange is the yeah. exchange that it is. But... I may be wrong. He's up for charades. Rockwell was known for his kitsch, but I think also did a great deal of extremely um, radical, dream, dreamy, utopian, optimistic progressive artwork. I don't know. I I don't know that much about Rockwell, but I always, you know, when people say, "Oh, we were such an idyllic family," they say mm-hmm. it was a Rockwell painting, like. Yes. You know, that kind of thing. I I think he's one... I, I think he is an artist with... I think there's another layer to that um, outside of his popularized that I wish I would remember better. Dig into Rockwell. Yeah. There's there's meat under the, the picturesque. <laughs> Molly Ringwald is just... Mm-hmm. The way they've got her hair done, she... Um, it reminds me of the the way her hair is done and the role that made her like mm-hmm. pop culture famous in um, Breakfast Club. She's kind of her own Breakfast Club mother. No, uh, that's true. <laughs> no, except we get the impression that her mother, mm-hmm. her character's mother mm-hmm. in the Breakfast Club is very domineering or... Alicey. Very Alicey, <laughs> yes, except her parents hate each other, I think. Uh, I, I, I'm not sold that Alice and Hell love each other. Well, that's fair. Um, In any yeah. world. I definitely went through a Breakfast Club phase where I watched that movie like over and over and over and over again. Little Miss Femme Patel. Yes. Get all the snappy 
poorly written, beautifully delivered lines. I don't think. Um, <laughs> well, that close up of Veronica gets mommed a lot. No, I you're imagine right. that's probably oh. what's made an impression on her. Is she just got mommed? Oh, you're right, and we've seen her, who Hermione is here. Ta, don't be bother. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of mommed by not your mom. Yeah. Alice manipulating. I feel, so this things. entire conversation, even the way she takes the pin like out yes. of an inner pocket, was just like my I'm just gonna be really, really blunt about what this <laughs> conversation sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. My daughter wants to get laid. You're not going to lay her. <laughs> You're going to tell her that laying is in her future when she's married. And you're going to make her feel appreciated and desired. And this is going to kind of take the edge off that she knows it's coming. Mm -hmm. Here's how you stay on standby. Good job. You're already doing exactly what I want, kid. Oh. I am reminded once again of um, the frequent flipping inversion of gender stereotypes that I think this was an era of um, men are pure and less seduced, women are harlots and charlatans who uh, run hot and can't resist themselves. Oh yeah, I forgot about that stereotype. I, yeah, I, I think that's where we're at in 55. By the way, I I'm love that positive. you said run hot and can't resist themselves. Thank you. Yep. Uh, yep. No, no, no. <laughs> Change nothing. Change nothing about what you just said. Change nothing. <laughs> so the serpents are like greaser beatniks. Mm-hmm. What is the term greaser? Are we using that anymore? I, you know, I think it's this, I think it's referencing that Rebel Without a Cause oh, era, okay. but I'm not sure if it's, um, from the era or an after the fact, uh, analysis. I'm not sure if that's a word we apply retroactively mm-hmm. or whether that was contemporary. These two have such good, yeah. thank you, smushing them together. Just so cute. No baggage. Just Choney. No baggage. Just zombies. Um, speaking of societal norms changing um, and not changing, I am um, reminded of the... Um, I'm reminded of the discourse of violence is okay, but any nudity is wrong. Right. As, a, as a moral discussion, as a regionalistic moral discussion currently and through my lifetime. Um, and putting the zombie... Uh, in that, putting the fantasy character, the absurd and the grotesque into that paradigm um, Interesting. Okay. of you know, violence, nudity, um, of what's inappropriate. Um, I, I think I think they're in I think it's similar category that we're exploring. Interesting. That is well popped now. Um, I think. I think the the fact that everyone sees everything and is exposed to almost everything in, in our modern uh, modern globalistic culture, um, whether we touch it or absorb it or engage with it or not, it's passed by our eyes on ads and everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
But the zombie grotesque rotting corpse thing might have been off-putting if that wasn't frequent iconography. Yeah, I, 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 like, I wonder about that. The, the Memento yeah, Mori era true. was all about the, the skeletons. Um, you know, late 1900s death culture that had, had a very interesting relationship with death. But the imagery left behind tends to go hard skull and bones to sleeping corpse. Yeah. We don't... What yeah. I wonder if it's also... This is not a, an era, from what I understand, where death is mentionable in the same way. Mm-hmm. So grotesque depictions of death, perhaps yes. even less so. They've certainly coded that in how Archie talks about his father, how everyone talks about death. Uh, even James Dean, the surprise yeah. in public discourse. Um, interesting. My grandmother, um, my dad's stepmom talks about that mm. sometimes, you know, she, she'll say like, oh, you didn't talk about mm. cancer. You know, you said like cancer, like you said it quietly. Right. Very euphemistically. And so I wonder if it's part of that. We don't talk about that sort of thing. And then this is like, mm-hmm. this is like extreme. And that's why Ethel is suspect. We had that interesting yes. exchange between Archie and Veronica where Archie very rightfully points out options like Jason Blossom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ju- yeah. Julian. Or Jason. Julian. Same, me. same. Um, I love, what is this gym strip? What is this? I love whatever they're wearing. <laughs> I love it. Betty and Veronica just stumbling into each other as, as like, supportive, interesting peers. Um, I love that there was nothing bringing them together this time around. They just like talking to each other and keep talking to each other. Yeah. It's a natural friendship. And I didn't notice it happen. But it's exactly where I expect it and want it to be. Smooth. Yeah. And their their at their their banter is so influential on each other's stories without being assertive or spelled out. Yeah. Um, there's there's such a great balance of subtlety in this episode with very, very um over the top caricature. Yeah. Um that I think must be designed. Must be by design here. Listen, this outfit that KJ App... I'm going to say this a lot in this season, Riverdale Gang. This is a a well-tailored fit outfit, too. This man wears this shirt well. Yeah, it's... I don't know. There's something really... You know, it's interesting. Because of the context that we come from, all of these guys' outfits remind me of, like, really butch queer women. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's probably partly what I'm responding to is this like, ooh, yeah. Yes. I think there's a little of that going on. Yes. Yes. Anyway. 50s, 50s prep is 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 definitely one of the butch lesbian uh, yeah. fave vibes. Truly. Anyway, they all look great. <laughs> and these two are a mess. Yeah, ugh. I Alice's just, manipulations yeah. destroy both of their happiness for at least a few episodes. I mean... I think poor Kevin has going to yeah. have a destroyed happiness for at least a decade, and I hate that. Kevin's here for the time skip. Kevin Kevin's can for wait the for the time skip. skip. Yeah, totally. Let's just put him on the shelf and get him crooning with Clay. Yeah, which, you know, I'm... I'm 
listen, just move to New York with Clay. Yes, there's a life for you there, kid. Yeah. It's waiting on the coasts. Actually, there's a... If he's, if he's 16 in 1955, that man is barreling towards the 60s and early 70s yeah. sexual revolution at a bullet train pace. And yeah, no, Kevin's got a good future lined up. Yeah, you're going to be okay, kid. <laughs> For a while. I keep getting these two guys mixed up. They oh, look yeah. the same. I that's got to be like they must intentional have chosen, choice. Yeah. It's the grumpy, judgmental old white man in charge. Yeah, with glasses and a tie. Mm-hmm. In business, we don't have glasses. We have a cutesy little string tie. Yeah. But educators. Formal educators who cling to class norms that are actually well above what they actually experience or know. The most... I love that he hires... One of the things that I find interesting about this era is even Mm. when men respect women, there's a nickname involved. You know, there's a little like... Yeah. You know... I'm, I'm, you're in, but yeah. I want you to know that I'm letting you in. Yes. You know? Kid sister vibes. Yeah. You... Have a diminutive. Yeah. Don't have too much acceptance. Okay, freckles. Oh, and it, dressing gown. It comes off so honestly well-intentioned so often. Yeah. Like, men in power. We also just quickly <laughs> noted when the first time we watched this that Smithers going through the trash with his gloves on? Like, what's happening? Carefully picking through and checking each note for relevance. Yeah. Oh, boy. There's a lot going on there. And you don't question it, Veronica, at all. <sighs> okay. Um, Ethel's family life is bad. I assume one of these people's dead. Prob- yeah. Probably her dad again. <laughs> The dads at Riverdale have never been strong, other than <laughs> Fred Andrews. There's been, like, the, yeah, there's been the lead dad lineup and the anti-dad lineup. Yeah. Yep. The League of Evil Dads. So this is a little bit more Rebel Without a Cause, for the mm. for the record. Like, Ethel, Ethel is, is... Yeah, I mean, she does seem to have a cause, to be honest. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, the, the parents mm-hmm, are really mm-hmm. unhappy in Rebel Without a Cause, and they don't understand their kids. Right. Okay. Yeah. This is fun. This is fun. We love a school dance. We both learned and realized why saw cops call the saw cop. We did. I didn't realize you didn't wear shoes. Do kids these days still need to take need to bring separate gym shoes, or have they solved that problem? I. Don't know, but I just need to talk about how much a saw cop must have smelled like feet. <laughs> Very particularly. Very particularly. But, I don't know, maybe everything smelled like feet in the 50s. No, everything smelled like starch and cotton. Yeah, and bleach. And money. I don't know. Another sweet sort of conversation as they stumble towards noticing each other. So Clay seems a little bit more self-possessed this, in terms of his identity. This is a man who has seen um, seen civil rights speakers. Was it Bayard, Bayard Rushton? I don't remember. Famous, famous openly gay civil rights leader. Yeah, he's... 
It wasn't a queer utopia, but there there were notable, visible queer figures in the civil rights movement as well. Yeah. Fangs is really milking this. I'm so over it. This actor whose name I just forgot. Yes. Um, Drew Ray Tanner? Yes. Um, no. Yes? He's having a great rock star moment He's here. having a great rock star moment. You're just like, oh, I'm so over it. And then he gets started. It, very fun. With the hair. It's good. It's working for me. And he's a little Richard. And yeah. I like that. I, it's, 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 I, um, I forget about rock before Elvis, <laughs> before Elvis, you know, absorbed and I am going whitewashed to Google, it all. I'm going to Google Little Richard really quickly. Mm. Oh, pastiche, an artistic work in a style that imitates that of another work, artist or period. So there this we is a go. Um, I was reaching to over explain. Trust myself. Lesson for lesson for us all, Riverdale gang. You'll occasionally say stupid things, but then you'll learn what you said. And Little Richard then you'll know. is still alive. He is. Yeah, he's fabulous. It is fabulous. Oh, that's oh yeah. Here joy. we go. 1955. Right. Okay. Mm, what was mm, the other mm. thing that I was about to look up? Um, I don't know. Bayard Rushton. Probably wasn't that. I don't remember. <laughs> Saw cops, Elvis. Doesn't matter. Yeah, We're Elvis here. isn't a thing yet. I have to remember, Elvis isn't a thing yet. Oh yeah, isn't Elvis a thing? Well, fifties. Also, not that Elvis was a particular, an, an exceptionally great artist. He's a notable artist, but I think he's an important, uh, used as an important milestone artist in a lot of pop culture discourse. Um, important to contextualize that it's more I'm more thinking about the Elvis as an era than Elvis as an individual artist so he was already making music but the the, but like the big the big single the first big single Heartbreak Hotel is 1956 okay yeah so dude's a lounge singer at this point yeah (laughs) Veronica experienced his growth yay KJ's Hair is looking particularly, like, solid tone red today. Yeah. In this lovely purple lighting. You know, this is very sweet. This is a, a slowly building relationship. I like that the adults are still wearing shoes. <laughs> it's important distinction. And... Then I briefly doubt Julian Blossom's self-confidence and self-worth. But, mm-hmm. hey, rich doesn't mean happy. <laughs> least of all as a teenager in the night. Least of all as a teenager. Period. But, yeah, go have a dance with your mom. Yeah. It's a good boy. And really great utilization of fangs of the um, the heavy stylizations, the colors, the 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 shows look mm-hmm. in this dance scene. The great application from a, an episode that was shot quite simply, I would say, um, with a lot of you know, fairly fairly still back and forth dialogues. I feel comfortably statically, like, um, 
the cinematography doesn't feel very modern. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, is what I'm trying to say. Like if the 50s could actually have been shot in color. Well, actually, that's not true. There were color movies in the 50s. What am I talking about? It's not the 30s. But it, I think that mm-hmm. it wasn't quite this vivid. Film. No. The film was not this vivid. You could not get that kind of color of purple, 100%. Yeah. Or that color of red. Um, the depth and dark. I think the contrast and darkness. The contrast having color, the dark, darker color tones, especially. But yeah, um, and then we take a twist. I was waiting for it, and we're fully referencing our own first season. We're just mm, finely assembled. Layers and layers and layers of metatextual reference. So weird. <laughs> Bloody sauce. Great reaction from Shannon Purser here. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her face, that close up, really takes us into the into horror. Yeah. As a as a genre performance, as distinct from our high school, our yeah. high school life, our um, our very moralistically balanced driven high school life. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I I just sort of forgot about a twist but of course there would be a twist and it uh was twisty i was expecting it more because of the um the sort of level pace of this episode Mm -hmm. i felt like it um it carefully resolved what it offered it it wrapped up within itself um to me it it to me it felt like it was um, finishing a, finishing one project and moving on to the next. Yeah. Comfortably. Um, yeah. And I have great faith and excitement for the, the drive forward, uh, next week into zombies. Yeah. Zombies, murder. 50 zombies. Well. I I need to do some background wikiing, wiki dives. (laughs) Cause there's, there's whole eras that blur together some, like, yeah. What's what's 60s horror from 50s horror from 30s horror? Are there any? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, there mean was, I don't know. Yeah, there was a war in the middle, so something probably changed. In artistic perception of horror. That's true. Well, we're, I think it's going to be a fun <laughs> season. It's going to be a fun season, everybody. Right back with you next week, gang. Ta Yay. for now. Ta for now.